Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On the previous episode of Menage of Mind. Do you think that we should get rid of the title Stepfather? It's more built in to the child's life. She starts yelling about how she doesn't want me in her home. I have a quick question for you. Have you ever noticed that men who wear masks tend to hide their true selves? Have you ever dated a man just to simply realize that months later you were dating their, rep- their representative? Well, that's why you have me. Here's the truth, right? In our teenage years, especially around high school, boys have learned to develop masks in order to survive in order to hide our true emotions and how we're feeling because we don't want to be picked on and we must come across as not emotional in order to survive. As these boys become men, the masks continue because they often lack confidence in being their true selves. Fellas, it's no secret that we often have the weight of societal expectations on our shoulders. Whether it's the image we project to our professional pursuits, passions, or personal connections, the pressure to present a flawless facade can be overwhelming. The social pressure can trigger a sense of inadequacy or self-doubt, compelling men to don a mask and project an image of themselves that they deem more socially acceptable and appealing. Masking your true self can lead to a number of disconnection and unfulfilled relationships in life, within our family, in our our intimate connections, and more. In reality, it takes a lot of courage to remove those masks and show up as our authentic selves. But trust me, brothers, kings, men, it's worth it. When we embrace our authenticity, we gain a greater sense of confidence, of self-assuredness. We feel free, empowered, and appreciated because we're being loved and accepted for who we are. We tend to also feel lighter because we no longer have to carry this weight of social, social and societal expectations of who we are supposed to be and how we're supposed to act. So I say this to say that, fellas, in order for us to thrive, we must remove those masks and be our authentic selves. I understand that these masks were created as a form of protection, as an armor to survive in this wild, wild west that we call society nowadays. But in order to have a healthier, long-lasting happy life and relationships, we got to embrace ourselves, our flaws, our wounds, our strengths, and our healing. It's time for us to live our most fulfilling life yet. And to do so, we're going to remove these masks. We're going to shed this armor 
and we're going to present ourselves emotionally vulnerable and naked. Whoever likes us, great. Whoever don't, not our problem. Welcome to Menage Mind. order for us to have this conversation, I have decided to bring on a special guest. A special guest to the pod, but also also a special guest to my career as a therapist. This man, this guy, this king, this brother, was the first therapist to ever say my name in a room I never had access to. He got me paid. So whenever he calls, it's always a go. So whenever opportunities present themselves where I can get him in position to make some money to, it's a guaranteed, it's a no-brainer. So allow me to introduce you to my friend, a therapist, a king, a goat, Jason Phillip. What up, Mac? <laughs> How you doing, brother? Man, bro, I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Like, I'm excited to be here, not just on your podcast, but in your presence, bro. Oh, like, seriously, we've been building this friendship, relationship for like almost two, three years now, yeah, man. man. It's, it's been a it's while. It's been a minute. And it's our first time meeting, man. Yeah. So I appreciate you, man. It's a pleasure. Thank you for being you. Thank you for doing what it is that you do. So if you can let the people know, who are you? What do you do? Why are you yeah. one of the goats in my eyes? Oh, man. All right. Let me... <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jason Phillips, licensed therapist, confidence expert, adjunct professor and host of the Peace and Prosperity Podcast. Yes, sir. I've been in the field for almost 15 years. So I've worked in a lot of spaces. I've done community mental health, college counseling, worked with veterans, active duty military. I've been a clinic chief and now in private practice. So oh, there's a lot. Making yourself sound old, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> somebody, but on my way over here, somebody said, you must not have been doing this a long time. I said, no, it's been a minute. How long? Like I said, man, almost 15 years. Oh, I'm going so, I'm I'm going on my 10th year. This month is actually my second year in private practice okay. and first year full time. Yeah, yeah, man. That's what's up, bro. We've come a long and way, you, brother. A long way, because when you list all, all the stuff that we've done, it's crazy. Well, and and you know, we're speakers too. So that's something that's really picked up over the past couple of years. Yeah. Welcome to New York City, brother. Oh, you know I've been getting it in. <laughs> I've been enjoying it. I'm like, okay, I might come back about five, 10 pounds heavy, but it's all worth it. It goes straight to those biceps. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I've been having fun. Amen to that. All yeah. right. So we're going to jump in right into the convo because we have lives to save. <laughs> right. So from your expertise, right, because mm -hmm. you work with men, you've been in the field, you've seen almost everything, and you're a self-confidence expert. Yeah. Why do you think that so many men are wearing masks nowadays? Well, flat out, we're worried about what other people think about us. And we don't see us, we don't see ourselves, period. So we're basing how we perceive ourselves on the reflection from somebody else. Mm. And the more we do that, we, we can't see clearly. Like right now, I got my glasses on, so I can see you very clear. Mm -hmm. But when I don't have them on, I'm, I can just, things are blurry. And that's how men are walking around with blurred vision of who they are. So now they're like, they're reaching here, reaching there, because they don't have the true perception of what they possess. Yes. And I agree with that. And I also think that another component of it is, um, as teenagers, we never really got a chance to know who our true authentic selves was because we were ne never given that space, right? Yeah. So. In reality, society, it's all about survival of the fittest. That's mm -hmm. a fact, right? That's yep. not debatable. That's a fact. So in high school, as we're growing up, we are learning that the more emotions we show, the weaker we look to those that are higher in the hierarchy of, yeah. of survival. So we're, talk, we're talking about the jocks, the, the ones that are more in shape, mm -hmm. the, the, the ones that are more social, right? So therefore, we must find a way to survive. And in order to do so, we wear that mask where we don't show emotions. We show anger, right? Yep. You will see a lot of teenage boys being more angry because that's more acceptable. If you look angry you're and good. you might lose your <laughs> shit, I'm not going to pick on you. You're good. Exactly. I'm not going to challenge you. But if you look small, 
if you're being emotional, you're crying, you're talking about your feelings and et cetera, you tend to get picked on. So very early as boys, we learn in order to survive into this society, we must mask our emotions, our true feelings, and appear to be non-emotional. So we are not a prey. Yeah. No, man, no, you bring up a good point because <clears throat> I think about growing up in Detroit, like if you show too many emotions, you're a target. 100%. Like if you, you know, you upset about something, whether, you know, you, you could have had a, a huge death in your family. But still, you got to get over it, get back on the basketball court, yeah. go back to school. You what, show up to class in girls. the hoodie and don't say a word. Yeah. You, you don't just, talk about You just nothing. keep it all in and you keep it moving. Cry, right? So also, to, to me, that's why when other, par- other fathers are telling to their sons, be a man. Yeah. I don't fault that as much as every, every, everybody else does. Because this father is attempting to communicate to this boy what is going to be needed for you to survive, mm-hmm. right? Be a man. Boys don't cry because I've learned that in order to survive, I cannot show my true feelings and emotions. So if you yeah. grow if you grow up crying and very in touch with your feelings, at home, you didn't expect that to be the world. Mm-hmm. The world is not home, right? No, the world will eat you up. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. that safe space that's curated within your parents, within your household, is not going to be reflective of what the world has to show up. Mm-hmm. So if you go, if you're an eighth grader in high school, a ninth grader, a tenth grader, and you're crying, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? Ooh, you, Nicknames, picked on, bullied. And now your self-esteem is shot. So you don't even know how to process anything. You get a bad grade, a girl could not give you a number, you could fall, anything that happens, your gear is not right. All of this stuff, you can't handle anything. Your resiliency goes to trash. Exactly. Survival of the fittest. So I say this to say that Uh when you see a father saying, boys don't cry, be a man, have a little compassion and understanding and view through their traumatic lens exactly why they are saying those words. Don't just automatically jump and label that father as being a bad father when you really don't understand what it takes to survive in society as a boy, as a man, especially as a black man. Yeah. He's trying to protect his son and build him up, like build the armor around him that can protect him from people because you know everybody, even though they may seem friendly, they're not your friend. Mm. So they'll take advantage of you if you're showing that type of what quote unquote weakness. Yeah. And I always enjoy to use my myself as as an example because I am still healing. Mm-hmm. We're never healed. We're always healing. You haven't arrived. We're arriving. Mm-hmm. So this concept that we become whole is false. You're always becoming whole, right? Because the work never ends. So for for me, I came to America at the age of 14, right? So I've, oh, okay. so, so I've been here for, for 17 years. I probably knew like four words of English, right? So I'm coming from a Haitian culture to now an American culture. My first two weeks in school, I was wearing my church clothes. Like oh, I know shirt. they were. So they was, they was, they was. <laughs> my up. shirt was tucked into my pants. They was roasting. You already know. One hundred percent. I'm. I'm. It's. It's snowing outside, and not. Not wearing shoes. My church shoes, because that's the culture that I come from. Yeah. Right. So oh, it took man. me a while to assimilate to the American culture and to learn. Hey, you can't present present yourself in this way. You'll be picked on. And you were in New York. I was in New York City, Queens, two ten. <laughs> right. <laughs> you will learn that you'll be picked on and that you'll be bullied. Oh, with the quick. So af- after two or three weeks of experiencing this, of assessing the space that I'm around, right? Yeah. Changes needed to be made. They had to. So your boy had, had <laughs> to go and get a pair of Jordans, Listen. a fitted, Listen. wearing sideways, a do-rag, so I can look like I'm 50 cent, <laughs> right? As a method of survival, even, even though that's not how I wanted to express myself, through my clothes, but that became an armor that I needed access to. Bro, so let me tell you a quick story for me. You got on the uh, the gray 11s. Uh-huh. When they first came out in 2001, I guess I'm dating myself, but <laughs> but I remember when they came out and I had to have them. You know, I'm from Detroit. I was a uh, Cast Tech graduate and fashion was the thing. So now I'm getting into like verbal arguments with my mom, like, hey, I, I need to mm-hmm. have this gear. So I'm working at like 14, 15 years old while I'm in school because I needed extra uh, income to supplement for my uh, my style. 
because that's what I needed to just to, you know to for, survive to survive to fit in. Right? It was a wrap if you didn't have your gear. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna hold you up. And I have that same story. So I started working at 14 because my parents had just got here. Right? So their income and what they had access to was not as great. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm looking at everybody around me wearing Tim's wearing. Jordans and all of this, we couldn't afford those things. And mm-hmm. I and I was pissed off at my parents. Like, you took me from my comfort zone, my home, mm-hmm. where I was thriving. We were upper class. Mm. To not coming to New York City, living with family, and not being able to gain access to the tools, yeah. right? The items that I needed in order to fit in. Now I'm going to school and I'm getting picked on. I'm fighting every other day because I got to stand up for myself, right? So I started working very early. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, every Friday, I have bought a brand new pair of sneakers. And a t-shirt to match. My my two XTs, I would wear two of them, right? To match the J's. Roll it up. Exactly, right? So now, even now, I'm, I'm in a position financially where I, where I can get whatever I want. Right. Now I'm a sneakerhead again. I'm buying all these sneakers that I've always wanted, but was ne- was not able to get because I didn't have the finances. Right. So I'm healing a part of myself that I didn't even know needed healing by doing those things. Right. I'm taking my daughters yeah. to Foot Locker and we're buying the same sneakers. Mm-hmm. Buying three, four sneakers for absolutely no reason no. where I wear the same three. <laughs> and my wife is looking at me like, bruh, when are you going to work through this trauma? When I'm is like, it going to slow down? Watch my business. <laughs> <laughs> I don't got to be perfect. I can have a vice or two, right? Yeah. So so now I look at my closet. I have all these sneakers that I don't care about, that I'm never going to wear, but that the work was needed for me to get into that space, right? Mm-hmm. Of no longer fitting in, right? Yeah. And even now, I don't want to fit in. Man, we going deep already. Already, <laughs> I, I have no desire for that because I've reached a point in my career, in my life, in my knowledge of myself that I know who I am. I can be my authentic self. Those masks are not needed no more. But that takes work, though. Yes. First, you got to identify what is the mask because some of us don't even know that the mask is on. Mm-hmm. We're just showing up in spaces and not being happy with the outcomes that we're receiving or the experiences. too. Yeah, there are. And so we have to be aware of the mask. And then, what you just say, you took accountability. You say, you know what? I'm going to put myself in a position where I can heal, whether that's through getting the 11s, Air Maxes, <laughs> Tims. Right? What you need, baby? You I name got it. you. <laughs> and then you do the action. You got to do the work. It's becoming to the point where I'm buying sneakers. And when it gets dropped off, I'm hiding it because I don't want the wife to see it. Because she'll be like, yo, why are you still buying sneakers when, when you don't need those sneakers, right? So let me let you in on a secret. Bro. I, I've done the same thing. So I don't have, you know, Amazon's not coming to my door, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, you know, uh, Cole Hahn or, or Jordan sometime, I'm like, okay, this is going to the garage real quick, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they all go in, 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 into my office. And, and what's also interesting is like, through through my trauma lens, I've purchased all of these high fashion sneakers. Mm-hmm. They are highly uncomfortable. I heard. I will not wear them for no more than seven minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. I brought a pair here today. It's still in my bag. I didn't even take, take it out. Bro. But listen, how many shoes do... Because I'm, I'm in the same, but I got... a. I don't probably know as many as you, but I do have a lot of pair of shoes that I haven't even worn. I say, you know what? It's got to stop. <laughs> it's got to stop. It's yeah. got to stop. So now, going back to the masks, right? Uh-huh. Why men develop those masks. Can you talk about how does it affect their mental health? Because we're thinking about it all the time. So we can't show up as we want to be. So even in like the careers that we choose, the women that we date, the friendships that we have, because of the masks, we're basing our relationships or the quality of life on a facade. It's not real. So when you... If this is how you're, it's like you're an actor, right? Like, so now you're living your life through the lens of that character. But when you, when the, the screen stops or the camera stops, you're a whole person outside of that role. So the more that we can take off these masks, we can like really be free, be your authentic selves. But it takes us being willing to do that type of work. Correct, right? And also, doesn't society require that men wear a mask? They put a lot of expectations on us. I mean, like I think over the past couple of years, it's really been like 
the six, you know, guys need to be six feet, making six figures. <laughs> right. We, we we have terms such as high volume men. Right? <laughs> we're being discredited against because we're not a sp- specific height, meet a certain financial criteria, et cetera. Yeah. Right. So 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 a lot of times, right? Again, going back to survival of mm-hmm. of the fittest, the person that has the most power. Right, that can survive the most. Right, they're taller, they're fitter, they're and, and the most money. Correct. Right, they tend to get all of the women to some degree. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we learn through our observation, to our social conditioning, that in order to reach those goals, we must aspire to be that one individual. Here's something that most people don't know. Right? Uh-huh. Do you know that monogamy was started was started by men for men? No. We keep having, myself included, on many occasions, keep having this conversation that whether or not monogamy makes sense for the population, mm-hmm. right? Especially for men, because we tend to be the one that tend to engage in more infidelity and that are looking to sleep with as many women as possible because, again, part of our mass is having those numbers or being desirable mm-hmm. to women. And when we're arguing with each other where we're being grandiose, we feel proud to be able to have had this many amount of women or I've been with this person or et cetera. But in reality, monogamy was created by men for men. And here's the reason why. Going back to the survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. The one at the top or the one that have most of the resources are the more desirable. So they get access to many more individuals and women than those at the lower scale would have to. Do you I get follow that? You, I follow right? you. So now, in order to make sense of that, we came up with the concept of monogamy. So when th- those at the top are taken, our stock rises, mm. right? Therefore, we now have more options. Because if it wasn't for monogamy, right, the richest would have as many as they would want, while those that don't have as much would probably be alone or have a lower pool to choose from. So basically what you're saying is monogamy had to be in place or somebody's just going to be left out. 100%. I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know that. I but just it learned. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we got to save something for them. It, it's just so interesting to me that most of our life is still catered around survival of the fittest. Even how, how we show up as men, right? Mm-hmm. When we walk into a space, we tend to really assess who's around. And where we stock against them, women as well. Yeah, right. Because we're trying to see, okay, who, what's the pecking order? <laughs> who am I in in, yeah. in this order here? Yep. Right. So, so, so that's very interesting to me. So, can you talk a little bit more about what work is needed for us men to remove those masks? Be honest about what expectations are you putting on yourself. Mm-hmm. What are the what are the shoulds, the must, the I have to do this? Because I work with a lot of high-achieving men and women, and even though they may have a lot of success in certain areas of their life, they still feel like, well, I have to do this too, or I have to do that, or I have to accomplish this. And all that comes with stress, mm-hmm. anxiety, mm-hmm. fear of mm-hmm. not being enough, mm-hmm. more and more pressure. And it's like, hold up, you're already doing a lot, but they don't see it that way. And fear of intimacy. Fear of it. So, yes, definitely. It starts to impact the bedroom. So, let's talk about that piece right there. The bedroom? The, the performance anxiety Ooh, in the bedroom. Do, because- you, do you notice that most of the supplements for bedroom action mm-hmm. are geared toward men, right? All day the, long. the term ED. Up all right. night. In the, in the- <laughs> <laughs> Up all night. No, make love to her all night long. Like, it's, 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 and, and nowadays it's so easy to gain access to it because you could just, go online yeah. and answer a few questions and there's no validity to your assessment, right. but you're just going to gain access to it. And this, that could also be a sugar pill or yeah. placebo because you have no idea. You're just trusting what you're receiving. Yeah. Communicates to you, okay, now I'm going to perform better. So I now have that belief. So now when I am performing, it's actually better. Mm-hmm. CBT. Yep. <laughs> but what people don't realize, man, is that we're putting these expectations about performance on us. So now we're so tense when it comes to, you know, laying it down, we mm-hmm. can't even get it up. 
because we're now, so worried. Right, because we yeah, we're worried about how am I, you know, how how long am I gonna last? Is it gonna be two minutes? Is it gonna be two hours? Like, is she satisfied? I wanna have sex for two hours. But that's the but that's the thing. Like, people really I'm think good. they <laughs> think that that's gonna be effective. Right. I know pleasing, you've heard it. <laughs> pleasing a woman has nothing to do with how long you last. Pleasing a woman first, you must understand her mind, master yeah. her mind before you can master her body. Is knowing exactly what words to whisper into her ears to help her climax. Mm -hmm. Is knowing which parts of her body to pay more attention to to help her feel loved and appreciated. It's also knowing which spots to avoid and what terms to avoid because it may trigger some form of trauma for her. Right. So fellas, your listen in. <laughs> <laughs> your performance in the bedroom is not solely predicated on how long you can perform for. It's more about the pre-bedroom talks, understanding and relationship, followed by the post, mm -hmm. right? After you lay down, after you make love to her. Do you cuddle her? Do you massage her? Do you talk to her? Do you pillow talk? Do you make her feel welcome and appreciated? Do you make her feel loved? Or do you just... Are you just grabbing a rag and saying, here you go? Exactly. And bouncing. <laughs> Leave the money on the dresser. That type of thing. But no, seriously, man. I think, <laughs> I think we have to start realizing that for women, it takes place way before the actual act in the bedroom. And if men can really understand that, the more you can communicate and be receptive to what does intimacy mean for your partner? How can you start that even the night before or earlier in that morning? So by the time you get home, she's very much so hot and ready. And now everybody's relaxed. You're relaxed. They're relaxed. And then you don't have to put all this pressure on yourself because the more pressure, oh, I got to do this. I got to, you know, I got to have this setting. You're just taking yourself out of the game. So when you think about performance anxiety, how are you measuring the performance? And who's measuring it? Right. And what are you being judged on? And if you're measuring it off of what your homeboy told you to do, because, <laughs> you know, that's how it is, man. Like, if we're going to be real honest, that's where guys are like, man, well, I did this, this, and that, or I had this. It's like, hold on. Now you're trying to please. Who are you trying to please? Her? Or are you trying to live up to what you he's saying? You want bragging rights. Let's stop watching porn. Right. <laughs> All right, stop watching porn. If you want to watch porn, watch ethical porn mm -hmm. or girl on girl because mm -hmm. you're going to be able to see the sensuality and that's what really makes a difference, right? But now, so let's say that you do get into the bedroom and you're experiencing all of this anxiety, mm -hmm. right? And you feel like you may not be able to perform or you're worried how long you're going to last or if, or if, if you can get even erected. Mm -hmm. What are some tools and some coping mechanism that, men can do to soothe themselves prior to the performance? First and foremost, I would say take a deep ass breath. Like, just relax. Relax yourself. Relax your mind. It's going to put you at ease. It's going to put your partner at ease. So now if you communicate, hey, I'm feeling a little stressed, you can just chill and let her help you become aroused. Because right now, you, you're stuck in your mind. And the more you try to like figure this out, because men, we like to try to solve problems logically. That's not helping with the, <laughs> for the emotional and arousal connection. All right. Because we're all up here. Yeah. That's the first thing. Second thing, let go of all of these expectations that it's got to be, you know, X amount of minutes or X amount of positions, because now you're going to be able to relax even further. Third, as you mentioned, let, let go of the porn. Because again, you may be thinking that you're being aroused or you're, you know, you're getting something out of it, but you're now subconsciously training yourself to perform and measure up to him, yeah. whether that's in the positions, whether that's in the you know, size, all of these things you're downloading onto you. Yes, and also to, to, add, to add into to that point, if you're stimulating yourself specifically to pornography, like it's catered to invoke the dopamine within your brain. Mm -hmm. So now when you're a real life person, the dopamine is not as much and therefore you don't get what you're supposed to receive from it. So now you start choosing pornography over partnered sex, right? And also by watching a lot of pornography, you're actually teaching yourself to finish within a time span, mm -hmm. right? Some quicker and some longer. So now you're performing 
you're either finishing too early or it's taking you too long to finish. Therefore, nobody's having a, pos- a positive experience. Yeah, it becomes a test. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it becomes Be like, in the moment. Stop watching pornography. Because, I mean, how many guys have we worked with where they're saying, man, I've been, I can't do it like this or... You know, they're looking at me, I'm, I'm confused about my size or I'm, I'm nervous about it. So then that's when the, the body dysmorphia comes mm-hmm. in because yeah. we're comparing ourselves. And I do work with a lot of porn addicts. Mm-hmm. So that tends to be very interesting to see how pornography, which is available for free, right, right. is being utilized as a tool to further create low self-esteem and body dysmorphia in men. And I think, Mac, what happens is when we're looking at porn and those of us who have addic- addictions to porn, we're thinking that this is helping us. No. Like, I'm I'm pissed off because I'm not, you know, I don't have a job that I want. I'm not in a relationship that I want. So now I'm going to self-pleasure and you get this quick fix. And then once that's gone, all the feelings of shame, guilt, frustration set back in. And now it becomes this cycle. Yeah. According to Dr. Uberman, right? Um, when you are experiencing dopamine with low effort, you're teaching yourself not to actually put in the work. So by watching porn- pornography and actually finishing, you get that dopamine re- release. That even makes you more lazy because you feel like you can get dopamine that easily. But when you actually put put it, put in the work of dating someone, of courting someone, of being with someone, that do- that dopamine effect tends to mean more mm-hmm. and promotes more more action-oriented approach, right? Let's move off the porn. Go ahead, yeah. Because I have an episode with a sex worker oh. about that, about that soon. So we will we'll talk about that in, in more in more depth, right? Um, to the men that are currently listening and are trying to tell themselves, do I wear a mask? Or I don't wear a mask. How can men start to identify what mask they are wearing? So I would say... First, you got to know yourself and then look at what do I value? Like, am I showing up with my values intact? So meaning if you're living life a certain way, but this is in direct misalignment from what you value. So you're showing up this way, but you're saying you want to show up in this other way. That's going to be a a disconnection. And you have to know yourself to be able to really have that type of Mm self-assessment. And this is where a lot of times we... We become more depressed, mm-hmm. more frustrated. We mm-hmm. feel like we're behind in life mm-hmm. because we've been showing up as how everybody else wants us to show up. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> seriously. No, it's, and it's true for, for, for a lot of men, we tend to, to have these markers. By 21, I should be here. By 25, I should be here. By 30, I should be doing this. By mm-hmm. 35, I should be doing that. According to who? Yeah. According to whom? And let's talk about this too. Like if you feel like you're not happy with where you are, you have to start to do the work. Do something because about it. A lot of I, I see sometimes we we talk about it and we think that talking about it is like doing something. That's just talking about it. <laughs> Serious. Like we just we feel like it's like the if I massage it by saying, okay, I'm gonna set this goal for myself, and then we don't. Cause I see that a, a lot where we like, okay, I want to have, you know, this big house, this great family or whatever. Okay, so what are you going to do today? Oh, man, I'm starting, I'm starting next week. I'm starting next month. I'm starting on Monday. <laughs> it's like, it's always a, a futuristic it. date. Correct. It's, it's, it's a delayed approach. Now, for me, I, I think when I hear wearing masks, one, one of the things that I think of is when I try to be down with a gang mm. as a teenager. Oh, you did? What was your, I, I tried your name? to. OG Mac? I tried to. <laughs> I tried to. But that wasn't me. Yeah. Right? It was a method of survival again. Now, if I'm part of this gang, my social class rises. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to mess with me. But in reality, I had no interest in that. Right? Yeah. So people hazing me, I don't play that. Yeah. Right? I can defend myself, but I'm not also not one to go out and inflict pain on people for absolutely no reason. Right. So that was in me. So even though I thought about it and I started to take the steps to get that done, I was like, nah, I'm cool. The second one happened most recently, mm-hmm. right? Where I actually thought about going for a PhD. Mm. You going for a PhD, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, there's a lot of us black men out there going going for 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 PhDs, and I was asking myself, would having a PhD and having the acronym Doctor elevate my stock? Mm. Right. So I thought about it for hours, and my mom was like, "Go for it! I want you to be a doctor and 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 all of this." And I remember these memories of her telling me that you should be a doctor, right? So I was gonna go for it just so I could be referred to as a doctor. doctor yeah. But in reality, my qualifications does not determine my stock. My qualifications doesn't determine if I'm effective at all, right? And that's something that I've been more focused on lately, where. I haven't renewed my license yet. Mm-hmm. I got two days left. Okay. I'm you think- live on the edge. Yes. I'm thinking of not even doing it. Right? Because again, we allow these titles to be our credibility. Mm. And I don't want to do that. So whenever I do a panel, you hardly hear me say I'm a black male therapist, I'm a licensed therapist, or et cetera. Right? Or I run down my resume of everything I've done and everywhere I've been. Because that alone should not dictate my credibility. Hearing me, experiencing me, and seeing what I have to offer is what determines my credibility. That's because you're comfortable who you are. Correct. So according to my wife, I'm being a little extreme about it. Yeah, you're going, I don't want to get my license or or, or, or things like that. Listen to your wife. Bro, 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 bro. You're going way to the left. It's like a, because it's like a driver's license. I feel like once once it laps, it's so hard to get it back. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Explain this gap on your resume. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So again, like I I would say to, to, to the men in general, if you are asking yourself whether or not you are wearing a mask, ask yourself, When it's time for bed and you're laying down and you're about to go to sleep, Mm -hmm. are you happy with who you are presenting yourself to be? Or is a part of yourself creating this persona on how to show up to get to these goals a lot faster? And I would also add, excuse me, when it comes to wearing a mask, evaluate your social circles. Mm -hmm. So now are you putting on different masks to show up in different places? And every time you go to a different room or different meeting, Mm -hmm. you have to... And and now switch, almost like the the movie, like you you're conforming and not being yourself. Because mm. when you come into a room, you want to be able to be yourself, be consistent, space. be consistent, right? right across the board. Yes, and I want to add in Go to, to 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 that as well because that just triggered a thought. If you're being yourself, everybody will describe you the same way. Mm. This is Jason being Jason. Yeah, and the next person should know what that means. Right. If different people are having a different perception of you, you are wearing several masks. Too many. This is me. This, this is Mac. Mac. 24-7. Yeah, this right? is Jason. Wherever I am, I might temper it down a little bit depending on the space. Right. It might go up if I'm on a podcast because we're trying to entertain. So there's some fluctuations there. But you're going to hear, no, this is Mac being Mac. Yeah. And that's okay. You don't need nobody's permission to be yourself apart from your own permission. And when you allow yourself to be yourself, that's where you become the most successful in life. Period. Most successful in life. But I didn't realize that even as a confidence expert until a couple years ago, I started meeting a lot of people who, you know, I have virtual relationships with clients and mm-hmm. colleagues. And they were like, man, you like... You like the same person I seen <laughs> online, and I didn't understand what they meant. I didn't. I was like, "What you?" But yeah, who else would I be? But, but as you know, sometimes some of us can struggle with like showing up as ourselves and, and not the perception that we have put on us. And as therapists, right? As therapists, therapists, right. the term therapist already embodies a certain presentation in itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I always have to tell people. Therapy is what I do. It's not who I am. I'm not a therapist. I'm Mac who is a therapist. That's what I do as my career. That's my profession. So your projection and understanding and assumptions of what a therapist should be, how I should talk, how I should dress, how I should behave, that's yours for you. That is not mine. Picture me in a session. So essentially, (laughs) essentially what you're saying, bro, is like I'm not a robot. What's that? That's what you. That's I what I'm hearing. I'm no not AI, a robot. I ain't yeah. no chat GPT. Yeah. No, nah, man. I'm me. I am me, and it works for me, right? Hearing clients say, "Yo, 
yo, we need to grab a drink when when we're done here with therapy because you see the real me, you understand me, right? A lot of therapists are asking me, hey, Mac, how can I be more, more successful on social media? Mm-hmm, how yeah. can I have a big, bigger presence, presence? Here's the answer. Be yourself. Show your personality for once. Break out of these therapeutic norms mm-hmm. that have been inflicted on you by the board or the historical therapist. Just be yourself. Who are you? What's your personality? If I go through your page and I can't tell who you are, I am not interested in working with you. Nowadays, therapy seekers do their research. They're not just reading your bio. They don't even read the bio. There's (laughs) videos now that that you have to place and and et cetera. Stop going for the same headshots everywhere. The same color scheme at all times. Show your personality. Clients will come to me. I went through your IG. I know who you are. I know how you present yourself. I know you're really skilled at what you do. That's why I'm coming to you. I deal with infidelity. There's no room to play. Like, we got to get busy and busy very quick, mm-hmm. right? And people are paying out of pocket. Yeah. So their money matters. So for them to invest in you, you must communicate to them that you can do the work, that you're an expert at what you do. So the cheat code is be your goddamn self. But if- Show up. Show up. And it's so simple. You hear it all the time, right? Know, like, and trust. So using IG, people can go to, can you get a sense of who I am? So you feel like you know me, even though you don't even know my last name or middle, whatever, but you feel like you know me. Do you like what you see? Yeah. Do you trust that I have the skills to help you get from A to B to C to D? And while we're going through your transformation and your healing journey, it can be engaging and entertaining and informative all at the same time. Correct. Correct. That it took my career to a different level. And as you're saying, when you have cash paying people, you really got to make sure that you're bringing your A game. 100. <clears throat> be yourself. Yeah, be <laughs> No, it's hard. To, and a lot of people are like, you really have to ask yourself, who am I? It starts there. Who am I? Who are you? And if you. We going back to the mask thing. Like, if you feel like you have to put on different masks to be in different circles, you want to choose your circles that allow you to be yourself. Something is wrong if you consistently are trying to like be in places where you just feel like, hey, this is not my cup of tea. Then why are you keep showing up there? Like when we chopped it up, it was smooth sailing since I walked in the door. I feel like I've known you my whole life. Yeah, right. We have and that's great the type of circles that you want to be in because now it allows you to be more relaxed. Less anxious, less stressed. You're not over. You're in the moment when you can be yourself and when you can have people like yourself in your company. And people will accept you for who you are as long as they know who you are. People trust trust their eyes and their assessment of you. Yes, they're going to trust you. Correct. That is it. Because that's you being you. Don't be a Judas. Be yourself. Right? Start asking, who am I? Remove that mask. Because the last thing you want is to wake up 10 years later after sleeping next to a person for those 10 years and waking up and you're realizing that they were performing this whole time. You said something earlier about the, you know, the doctoral PhD, that journey and- Which I'm, I'm going to do. I'm, yeah, I'm, I know, I'm going yeah, for my PhD. I, listen. Dr. Listen, Matt yeah. coming soon. <laughs> it, it's about when you feel ready because I graduated over 10 years ago with my master's. And you chose to go back to school? And it, But I had to do it when I felt ready because- I had my mom, grandma, they were telling me, hey, go ahead. I'm like, y'all do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, <laughs> you want to write papers again, man? Bro, I, I'm doing I'm like, I forgot. And my, but I, I got a bad memory sometimes. Because one of my friends, she was like, you forgot how much you hated writing papers? I'll say, yeah, I forgot all of that. that. I'm not doing that. But not, not doing that. when you do it on your own time, when mm-hmm. it's like, when it's right, when it's, it's just, true for you. Yeah. All right. Because people, are, I know people already say, hey, Dr. Dr. Matt, they I They've said it to us, Dr. Mac, a lot. Right. A so it's like when you feel like this is your time. So when you talk about your the timeline of your life and all the milestones that you want to have, this is where you want to be really honest with where you are. And sometimes we're trying to like jump ahead without doing the work or we're just too far. We keep looking at other people and the stuff that we didn't do. So now we're not in the moment. Yes. And attaining those titles, right? It's not going to validate your existence if you no. don't validate your existence yourself. No, it will right? not. Period. It almost reminds <laughs> me, we talking about performance anxiety, right? Some people 
will perform at a level where maybe other partners will say it's trash. But in their eyes, they feel like, hey, I just I accomplished my goal. But that's because you're comfortable with what you've done. And you're not thinking, like, oh, I didn't please this person the way I wanted to. Like, it's that, that confidence, it goes a long, long way. Which goes back to introverts, right? Mm-hmm. Introverts like to be alone, like to be in their own space. So when they're asked to be part of society or socialize, to some degree they are performing. Yeah. Which is why afterwards they need to be home for like four days straight to recuperate because it took so much out of them to perform in those social settings because they were not being true to themselves. So it's the same concept here. Mm-hmm. If after doing an activity... You felt the need to Mm. just... You're so burnt out. That's because you were outperforming yourself. Right? Yeah, you're about to burn out. (laughs) You're about to burn out, man. Now, so staying on the same subject, can you talk about how these masks and these representation can impact romantic relationships in the short and long-term route? Because now people... If you get into a relationship with the mask on and they like that person with the mask, and then now you start to take off the mask, and they're like, that's not who you are, then your partner will end up with buyer's remorse. Mm. So they feel like, hey, I, this isn't who I met. We're we not doing the same things. Oh, that's what I was doing t- so that you would like me. Oh, well, you don't like doing nothing. Hold on, what, did I, what have I got myself into? Yeah. So now you cheated your partner, and you, you cheated yourself because now you're making bad investments. Yeah. And often on social media, we, 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 we tend to hear, this is not the life you introduced me to. And that's exactly in representation of the mass, right? Mm-hmm. You're pulling up wearing all of these designers who are going to steakhouses and Michelin store restaurants, right? But you're running a credit card. Now it's maxed out. And now, a few months in, I'm still expecting those type of lifestyles, mm-hmm. but you can no longer provide that because that's not who you were. You were acting, you were projecting, you were performing. So again, the buyer's remorse comes in. The one thing I've said to my friends, myself, period, even before being a therapist, I, when it comes to women and dating, you don't start what you cannot finish because women love consistency. You got to be able to keep it up. <laughs> yeah, so and, and, you can't and keep it up. Ba- and that ties back in to trustworthiness. Yeah, are you being yourself, or are you who you say you are and who you say you're going to be? Right? If cannot you, count on you, cannot trust you. So if there's those masks, if you're wearing that mask, you can't keep that on 24-7. At some, no. at some point, there will be some cracks. And now what you're saying and what you're not doing are not adding. And now you, you run into, well, uh, you know, irreconcilable differences. But that's because you didn't show up as your authentic self in the mm-hmm. first place. So it wasn't that, you know, she's wrong or he's wrong. It's that you were uh, a, a counterfeit. Yeah. <laughs> in the dating world, there tends to be a lot of masks, right? Mm-hmm. But the most prominent one is when you are talking to somebody you like and you fall in for them, right? You start yeah. investing a lot into them. Then you ask yourself, hey, how can I get them to like me? How can I be a different version of myself that they would like instead of the true me? Now you start performing and wearing a mask trying to get them to invest as much as you are investing in them. Mm-hmm. And that's where your mask comes in. And now it's not working because this person that you like is no longer liking you because you're not being yourself. You're being a different version of yourself. And they may not like that version. So if you got 10 different versions of yourself, how do you know which one is going to work? Is it trial and error? I was You're say, wasting your time. Yeah. You got to... The one... The, the least amount of work. The least amount of work. Mm. When I showed up, like I'm just gonna use myself. I what do I? How do I dress? How do I, I show like that. the least amount of work? Yeah, because the more we work at it, it's like okay, some stuff should be natural. Like if you think think about having a a happy life or a life that you enjoy, we don't want to just be working all the time at every single thing and every detail of it. Yeah, so I agree with you. The, the one that's the least amount of work. Okay. Can we discuss a little bit what role can therapy play in helping men remove their masks and become their authentic self? It can help it tremendously because first, we can start to look at where did these ideals come from and these beliefs. So did things happen in your past where now you feel like you have to show up a certain way? Mm -hmm. Were there certain expectations put on you from your parents, from your peers, 
from, you know, at, at school where now you felt like you had to put on this or you had to behave in a certain way? Or are there traumatic experiences that you've never discussed and they're starting to impact you and, you know, yeah. and how you show up now? Yeah. And therapy can help you resolve some of those issues. Correct. Um. So in, in the work that I do with couples, we spend about two sessions talking about who am I, mm-hmm. right? What are the things that I'm proud of? What are the triumphs that I've experienced in life? What are the things that I'm not proud of? What are the things that I'm still affected by, right? Um, how did my parents show that they love me? Mm-hmm. How did my parents celebrate me? How do I celebrate myself, right? We really getting into the call, who am I? So our partner really understands and have compassion for who we are based on our past experiences. And then the final question is, um, on my tombstone, what will be written, mm-hmm. what I would like to be written. And also write an eulogy about yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? right, you have them doing work. Who do, Who is it that you want to be? How do you want people to experience you? How you want people to perceive you? What you want to mean to, to your children, to, to your parents, to your wife, to your husbands, to your kids, and all of that. Because that forces you to get out of your comfort zone, forces you outside of your mask and to actually show up authentic authentically so people get get a real good sense of who you are and my favorite question tends to be around what kind of marriage i want mm, right because you cut you the couples guy correct <laughs> what kind of marriage i want how do i want my children to perceive my marriage how do i want my wife to perceive me in that marriage what do i want other people to see and say about my marriage mm-hmm. so this way we have that understanding we have that vulnerability i start my sessions by doing those things to invite the vulnerability to make it front and center right but that's a lot of work too and uh, that's why therapists are needed because that first question who am i who are you i've asked that to students i've asked it to clients I've, that still gets a lot of you know, it takes a lot of work. People struggle with that. Yeah. They'll list out their accomplishments. They'll list out the stuff they that. don't like. Yes. But when it comes to... It's not your profession. They're like... Who am I? It's not... I'm they they struggle. Do you find that they struggle with that one the most? All of us, right? Who am I? I am... I identify as a husband first, father second, and everything else after. And the thing about that question, too, it changes. And that's... That's okay. It's like, we're not saying you need to do a 180, but we're evolving. Like who I am today is different than five years ago. Ask yourself, can I sit in silence? Do I enjoy being by myself? Do I enjoy spending time with myself? Right? Mm -hmm. If I was to go to a cabin for three days, would I be excited? Would I have fun? Would it be enjoyable? Or would I just be on IG scrolling the whole time? Because we don't like who we are or how we show up. And I think that's the part where we ain't really get into it, but avoidance. Mm-hmm. When we don't like who we are, we'll avoid everything that reminds us of really who we want to be. Correct. So now it becomes, uh, what what distractions? Am I going to scroll on IG? Am I going to work more? Am I going to try to take care of more people? Anything that I can do so I don't have to look at me. Yeah. Let me be in all of the loud places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me be in a nightclub, me be smoking hookah all the time. Let let me be all at, all at the day parties. So I don't even need to hear my thought process, my thoughts be by myself. Let me just be performing on social media, right? Um, one of the most powerful interventions that I tend to use when I work with black men is we go to the mirror. Mm full-length mirror and we stand in front of it. Mm. What are my scars? Where are my scars? Where where are my traumas being held in my body? Mm. Which parts of myself can I see in the mirror? Which part of myself others can see in the mirror? And which parts of myself can they not see? What do I like about myself? And then I have them write a list of 100 things that they don't like about themselves. Right, and I love that because the first 10 is easy. When you get to like 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, it takes a lot. It it forces you to go inward Mm -hmm. a lot, right? So we have them write that in blue. Mm -hmm. Then we have a line under it that's in red. Then I ask them to tell me, who told you that? Like who Mm -hmm. educated you? 
for me, right? Growing up, I I don't like having big lips. Mm. DSL. (laughs) Right? So in high school, (laughs) right? (laughs) Big lips Mac, right? All the time, right? So I didn't like my lips. So if I was going to do that, I don't like my lips. Why? People made fun of me for having big lips in high school. What's the then after that line is what's the truth? My lips are proportion, proportionate to my body. The woman that I love love those lips. So what's the final answer? I accept my lips. I love my lips. There, there are an addition to my greatness. So you're learning to love the parts of yourself that you used to hate. Yes, but by also learning where does the hate come from. Mm-hmm. And what's the validity and what's the truth, right? It's getting to the truth because a lot of the things that we dislike about ourselves is because somebody told us that we should not like that, Yeah. right? So when we can identify the source, we can get to the truth. My stuttering, right, which I've worked on a lot, part of it was I was told I stutter so I must be dumb. There must be something wrong with me. Mm. But in reality... It's just a stutter. Right. And I think the people put a lot of emphasis on it, on a lot of stuff that's like, it doesn't make, it doesn't really matter for the most part. Because everybody, to some degree, everybody stutters. Like, you know, because you edit podcast clips and you will say the same thing. Like, you're like, oh, I just said that. I like, used to edit out <laughs> all of my stuttering. I don't no more. Yeah, because I don't stutter as much. That's one. <laughs> but plus, I'm like, that's just but me. Just if like, you experience me in real life, you're gonna hear it. If you yeah. experience me on a video, you're going to hear it, and that's okay. And a lot of times, when I get on a big platform or, or on a stage, I'll say, "Bear with me," because I tend to stutter. So if you see me stuttering, this is my fourth language. Cut me some slack. Your fourth man. Fourth what... language. Cut me some slack. Right. And. To, I'm a big believer in labels, being to being able to label how you feel, being able to label what's going on and what you're experiencing removes the power that it had on you and allow you authority over it. And after, that's what we talk about, self-acceptance. Now, w- once you've accepted wh- how things are and how you show up, everybody else has no, cho- no choice but to accept it. Yeah. And respect it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. Go ahead. How can we help men show up? No. I'm going to change that. Mm -hmm. How can we influence society to further promote men to show up as their true authentic self and allow them to feel accepted? So first, they got to share this podcast episode because it's dope, <laughs> right? More conversations like this need to be heard. But on the other token, men, I want us to be more, more reflective mm-hmm. and do more self-assessment mm-hmm. about how we like ourselves and how is this impacting how we show up. Because men, we are results and goal-driven. That's not going to change. But if mm. you're not getting the results that you want, I want you to do the assessment to see what resources do I have at my disposal that can help me show up how I want to? Because the more that we ignore and avoid the problem, it starts to permeate in our other cir- circles and uh, influences. Yeah, yeah. And for me, because I'm thinking on a macro level, mm-hmm. would be to start having mental health be a department in every facet of society. Schools, hospital, doctor's office. Um, career-wise, in colleges, wherever it is, wherever people are engaging, people are showing up, there should be a mental health component that's a requirement Mm -hmm. because it would allow people to work through those anxiety and those masks and curate and cultivate an atmosphere, a culture of acceptance of all. We continue to talk about diversity and acceptance in theory, but not in application. Right. So there should be a mental health professional in every level of all establishments, period. And I think, man, I think we're moving towards it. More companies are bringing people in like us for prevention. Yes. To keep people performing at a high level so that they don't have to be off for, you know, months at a time because 
you know, they can't cope with the chronic stress. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that we are superheroes, basically. <laughs> basically. With, without a cape. Well, yeah. <laughs> Bro, man, this has been great. Brother, man, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out to show up for me, to show up for yourself, and to show up for our listeners, our audience, and society today. You have been an esteemed guest. It was uh, it was my honor to sit with you and chat with you. I am very proud of everything you have, you have accomplished. I am always rooting for you. And if you're ever in need of anything and I have access to it, Bro. Just holla, brother. Appreciate it, man. My man. Seriously, this is great. Thank you. And to our listeners, to our audience, to all the men that are listening and to all the women that are also listening, I just want to remind you guys that um, to show up as yourself, to be as authentic as possible so the world can accept you for who you are and not who you present and project yourself to be. By gaining that acceptance, that validation, and the... The sword I'm looking for. The one, the vulnerability. The vulnerability. You can then start to transform your perception of the world and the world's, the world's perception of you. In order for us to change the trajectory of mental health as a whole nation, each of us must continue to do the work and show up differently. This was another classic episode of Menage of Mind. Please like, subscribe, and share, and I will see you next time. On the next episode of Menage of Mind. So it requires so much empathy, so much understanding, and so much softness. My Achilles heel up has always been my fucking patience.